The following program, The Kitchen Table Progressives, is sponsored by The Kitchen Table Progressives and to the extent applicable, their guests. The views and opinions expressed therein do not necessarily reflect those of News Web Radio Company or its management. Welcome to Kitchen Table Progressive. Paul Richardson here, inviting you to join us for around the table for an hour of casual conversation on law, civics, and politics, driving the current issues, where the menu is progressive and the table manners are unapologetically liberal. <laughs> on the program this week, I have a very special guest, Krista Gardner, The Stephanie Miller Show. The Norman Golden Show, The Tavis Smiley Show, Conway and Steckler, Danny Bonaducci, The Nasty Man, uh, <laughs> John and Jeff, and The Frosty, Heidi, and Frank Show are all radio programs with which Krista has been affiliated over the past uh, career of over 30 years. Uh, quite a resume uh, and, and quite a career in uh, many facets within the radio business. And I want to welcome Krista to the program now, and we're going to talk about uh, quite a few things, starting with Krista. Krista, welcome, and Happy New Year. Oh, Happy New Year, and thank you. I appreciate it. You know one person I forgot to add to the list? Since WCPT is in Illinois, I'm sure there's a lot of people who remember Ed Till, I was one of Ed Till's producers, too, and I still talk to him. I, I heard he was really popular in Chicago. So I can't forget that name, too, because I guess he was a major force back in the day. So anyway, but thank you for naming everybody else. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's, it's been with Stephanie Miller for about the past, what, about five years, hasn't it been? Yes. I was yeah. just well, thinking about her the other day. I've been with her since 2019. I started Labor right. Day, the day after Labor Day in 2019. Yeah. Right, right. And uh, and before that, it was uh, nine and a half years with Norman Goldman. Yes. Yeah. Nine and yeah, a half years. A, a long stint with Norm. And uh, and then I didn't know about Tavis Smiley. Now, um, I mean, so with the, with these some of these programs I've, I've not heard. Um uh, I know Dan, Danny Bonaduce. Danny Bonaduce, I think, just retired from a KZOK, Seattle's first classic rock radio station. Uh, I, he just retired, a couple, I think, a couple of weeks ago. I didn't know that. Yeah, I worked with him, and I was very friendly with his um, now wife, Amy. He was mm-hmm. really fun to work with. He was really, really fun. Um, and I genuinely loved the guy, but I had heard he had gotten ill, you know? And in radio, like, everything's like a revolving circle, so you kind of run into these people and stuff, but he had, I think he had moved to Philly for a while after I had worked with him, because our station closed down with the demise of, like, Howard Stern in the L.A. market and going into Sirius. Our station only could last only a couple more years, and Danny moved on, and he went to the East Coast, and then he settled in Seattle, and I heard that he was doing really well, so I'm surprised that he he retired. But I did know he had gotten sick. Mm-hmm. I, I, did, I didn't know about that, but uh, I didn't know that he had gotten yeah. sick. But I, I think he just retired uh, from KZOK a couple of about a month ago, or something like that. Yeah. But anyway, so mm-hmm. all of these 
I mean, I want to say, what's it like working with all these people? So, I mean, I was going to kind of ask, what's what's the difference? I mean, in radio, there's personalities. So, is it like going to a job is a job is a job, or you know, are where all these different these different uh, people with all different personalities, and and kind of talk about that a little bit. So I just, I can, it's okay to be pretty honest here with you regarding the whole radio industry. Um, I had always known since I was 12 that I wanted to get into radio and have my own show. That's all I ever wanted to do. But I wanted to, to, to be like a, a kind of like, not like a female Howard Stern, but kind of like a female shock jock, kind of like a Wendy Williams, so to speak, but not quite Mm. far as extreme as she was. But I, I always knew when I started in the 90s, I'm going to be 100% honest, being a woman of color, um, it, 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 there were things that worked on my side, but there were a lot of things that didn't. I did not get a lot of opportunities that I felt I deserved because I didn't have the blonde hair and the blue eyes. I'm going to be very honest. But I was able to go into the Yeah, which are really important on radio. Yeah, Blonde hair and blue right, eyes are very right. important on radio. Yeah. <laughs> believe, yeah, believe it or not, working at the Howard Stern station, you'd be really surprised at how your looks really did matter from being a producer to working in promotions. The guys, it didn't matter, but the girls, it did. And there were very few people of color. In fact, I think when I started, I was one of the only ones. But um, you hear the way that I speak. People who know me know that. Um, I'm, I'm not very urban sounding and I, my, my demeanor is not really urban, so to speak. So that's how come I quote unquote was got a pass. If, if that makes any sense to you. And I've always, I've always known that and always kind of thought that working for Norm was amazing for me because he accepted me as who I, who I am. Black right. people are not a monolith. I will tell you that right now. When Norm hired me, he knew I knew nothing about politics. I didn't even want to go into politics because I didn't care. I grew up in a family where um, I have a, I'm, in a, I'm biracial, so I have a white side and a black side. And quite frankly, both sides are very conservative. So when Norm interviewed me, I was like, I don't want to know because I hear it from my family. I don't want to talk about it. I, we always get into fights about their beliefs. I didn't know I wanted it to go into that. And Norm said, you know what? Yeah. You know, cause I, I, I was recommended to him, you know, um, I like you and I've heard a lot of good things about you. Just work with me one year and I can change you and you'll learn so much from me. And I was so blessed that that one year lasted almost 10 years because I learned a lot and I was able to <laughs> battle my, my family in, in an articulate way. Like I knew how I felt, but, right. you know, you, you can't, you, you really, it's hard to go against people who are super conservative and who are very religious, and it's just you kind of shut down. Norm opened that part of me where I could express exactly how I felt. So I was very grateful to work for him, and I never thought I'd ever work in politics because I just didn't care, you know, because of the family that I grew up in, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Right. So, so uh, you say, so the, this, this precocious dream for, from at age 12 um, so what were you in, what were your influence? What were you listening to that was, that you were, you, did you have a model? Do you have some kind of an influence that was, that was, uh, you know, spurring you along at, at, at age 12? What was, what was it that you were kind of wanting to emulate maybe? So we had out here, um, we had somebody, but I'm, I'm, I don't know if you know who Rick Dees is. There, there was Rick Dees, yeah. but there was also Richard Blade. 
So mm-hmm. I wanted to be a cross between those two. I really wanted to go into music. That that was my okay. big thing was music. And I started out at Kiss FM with Rick D's, with the Rick D station. But I, you know, the way it works in radio, I ran into somebody at my, what we call full-time job. I worked in radio as part-time, but I had a, a full-time job that paid the bills um, at, at um, a credit union. And the guy that I was working with, or working on his account, asked me, what do you want to do? Is this what you want to do? And I had said, no, I actually would love to go into radio. I'm still trying to figure it out. And he had worked for Howard Stern Station and said, give us a try. So originally I wanted music, but once I started listening to the station, I said, wow, I love how these people are talking about pop culture, entertainment, relationships. That's what I want to do. And that's pretty much the direction I decided to go in. And that's where I was at for about 15 years with CBS right. Radio after right. my music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, because radio, the thing about talk radio is radio and maybe music radio is not so much this way, but talk radio, it's a very personal medium. It's, you really are, it is a one-on-one. It's, it's the host and every one of the listeners almost as if it were one-on-one. It's not that way in television. Television, you look at a screen, and the screen doesn't know where, who, the, who the hell you are. You know? But the radio mm-hmm. is a much more, in, in, I think everybody in radio realizes that, that it's, it's a much more personal you know, medium to be in, uh, whether, you're, if you're just, whether you're just talking in the microphone and you don't have any callers or whatever. It's still a personal medium. There are still people listening, and they are listening pretty much by themselves in their car or wherever. So it is... It is a one-to-one communication. So I, I, I know what you mean about that. Um, so then you, you took a, kind of a, a direction in talk radio kind of elevated you to become this, your personality came out, right? Is that what you're, <laughs> that, that kind of is what yeah. I, 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 you know, you kind as, of became as a, a producer. sassy producer and all that, the sassy yeah. producer. <laughs> yeah. Now I don't. I don't because, realize. See, I don't know that side of you, Krista, because I only know the sweet and, and gentle Krista. Um, you know, that's the side I know. But do tell. Um, oh uh, yeah, yeah. Back back in the day, you know, um, I you know when I was working at at the the radio station, I like to call it the Howard Stern station. There was a lot of shock jocks. There was like a Tom Likas. Um, and then there was, you know, these, these guys that tried to be like baby Howard Stearns and I would get frustrated hearing them. And so, you know, behind the scenes, I would tell some of the, um, hosts of the shows that I worked with, you know, that I was angry at men and I was actually really tired of their crap. And then I understood where, where gold diggers came from because of men like this, which was unique for them to hear that. And I never took back how I felt during that time. So they enjoyed the fact that I, you know, if there was a guy that, that was on the air, they'd say, well, Crystal, what do you think? And I would pretty much um, tell him off if I disagreed with him or called him a sellout or told him he was weak and pathetic, you know, and these hosts loved that. We also had a music segment where there were some independent artists that would come on. And if I didn't like their music, I didn't hold back. I would say no disrespect to you. You know, I'm glad you're doing your thing, but there's no way you're going to make it because you suck, been there, done that, try something new, get a new job. So they liked that fact that I was bold. But then after a while, it just felt like I was being mean. (laughs) And I didn't want to do that anymore. But that's what ended up 
kind of um, having people pay attention to who I was. But to, to be honest, it was a part of who I was, but not a hundred percent of who I was. So I was basically right. doing like doing, doing like upping it, you know, because it would make people laugh. But after, you know, when you get older, you don't want to do that anymore. You don't want to insult people. You don't want to make people feel bad. But that's what right. got me started was just being so bold. You know, they liked it at that time. Right, right. So mm-hmm. then you, there's a uh, when I think about somebody like Tom Likas, and I I, I used to listen. Uh, that was. Gosh, twenty years ago, I'm thinking that. Yeah. Now, the, yeah. now the women that would call Tom Likas would just they would they would just kind of suck up to that. It was kind of, uh, I guess they thought that was cool. There was no that was women who would there, would there was no pushback to that. Or you would never get, or maybe the women that would push back would never get on the air, you know, because it was it was all kind of agree with this uh, kind of chauvinistic slobbery of I I just thought it was kind of slobbery sounding. I don't know if Tom Likas is really that way. I kind of suspect that he maybe isn't. Um, it was just an act. I don't know for sure, but uh, it, it, it was it was a a, um, a phase. It seems like of of talk radio. Um, but I but I think of Tom Likas and, and Howard Stern being a little bit different in terms of that shock jockery, don't you? Yeah. No, Tom Likas. Um, I personally really, really liked him. What he said didn't bother me as much because I knew him on a different level. And I knew, I, I, I knew, like I knew the things that he said and, and as shocking as they were, I was really more offended when I would go to his live events with the people who would show up to the live events. But believe it or not, he, his show was one of those shows where you hated what he said, but you had to listen to every moment of it. And that's, I didn't right. like what he said, but I liked him as a, as a person, if that makes any sense. It, I know it sounds weird, but he was always very pleasant with the women that he was around. I did, I never saw him be rude to any of the girlfriends that he had. Um, and there were a lot of women at the live events, of course, a lot more men, but a lot of women ready to take off their tops, have them sign oh, yeah. their breasts. I mean, it was a, it <laughs> yeah. was a big yeah, you had a sharpie, right? Yeah. yeah, you had a sharpie ready, and and oh god, there was one woman at, at an event. Uh, I wasn't there, but it was. How did, I, did she call in after? Yeah, she showed, well, she was. I think she was pregnant, or she was had already delivered, but uh, she was uh, uh, she was full. Let's say she was full and uh, came to the event and and squirted the audience. You know, with uh, she she oh, yeah. offered. Took off her top and squirted yeah. the eye. I mean, that was, I mean, that was, <laughs> I, I that is, yeah. Anyway, that's uh, great stories. Uh, we'll have to hear a, uh, you know, a funny one when we come back. Um, uh, and we're uh, talking with Krista Gardner. Uh, and we take your calls at 773-763-9278. And uh, we'll be uh, right back after this message. Back, Paul Richardson here, Kitchen Table Progressive, um, speaking with um, with Krista Gardner, uh, a, a 
music, entertainment, and pop culture aficionado. Been in the radio business for over 30 years. And, uh, well, I want to hear uh, one of your funny stories. But first, we have a couple of callers who want to ask uh, ask you some questions, Krista. So let's take um, let's take Jim in Chicago. Jim has a question about, uh, well, I don't know what he has a question about. What's your question, Jim? Well, here, uh, I, I, really, this is the radio but when I heard Rush Limbaugh on the radio, I never listened to the radio again. I never turned on the radio again because Rush Limbaugh, two sentences out of his mouth, and that was it for me. I couldn't listen to the radio. I couldn't listen to him in a million years. But the mystery is how much dough he made and how he attracted these almost like a Trump-like figure that uh, could get the rubes to uh, buy any kind of baloney that he was selling. That's the fascinating thing about it. Now, I've never listened to a word he said. I recall working in a situation somewhere where the guy would listen to the radio. I would leave as soon as he turned it on and go out and smoke a cigar or something, do anything. But I couldn't listen to a word of that. And I couldn't listen to the radio because of that guy. But yet he had uh, apparently uh, a large listening audience and uh, the rooms that, that believed his, uh, his baloney. What, what do you think that was astounding? What do you think, it, what do you think his appeal was? Hello, Krista. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, Krista? yeah. I, 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 I will tell you what I heard. Okay, and I just heard this about two years ago, and I heard this from somebody that I believe is is telling the truth. I had heard that he knew exactly what to say to make the money. That yes, there were things that he actually did believe, but there were many things that he didn't. But he knew where to make the money, and he knew how to get a. Uh, uh, money into the stations and to keep a job. I don't know if that's true. This came from a third person that I asked, do you really think he believes what he said? And this gentleman who had worked with him up to be African American said yes and no, that he knew him before he was really popular and that he was a lovely person. And then all of a sudden when he found his niche and he started making money, part of him turned to that person, but there still was another half that wasn't as as evil as people thought. So that's all well, I, 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 don't, I, I don't think never he, met him. I don't think he was evil. I don't think he was evil or anything along those lines. It's just that he had no appeal. One sentence out of his mouth. I knew he was a propagandist. I, I could tell that mm-hmm. from uh, from anything. So that was the interesting part. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what, uh, what kind of a person he was, but it's interesting how propaganda can survive and be. Uh, uh, I mean, it's amazing how many people will fall for propaganda. Anyway, nice hearing your voice, and you have a great weekend. Happy New Year, dear. Thank you. Th- thanks, oh, thank Jim. you. Thank you, you too. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, I think that. Uh, I mean, there is a there is. I have a, a friend in the in the in the radio business, in the broadcasting business. His name is Brian Steibel. He was in Seattle for uh, several years, where I got to know him, and he, he thought Rush Limbaugh was just a. I think he still thinks that Rush Limbaugh is. You know the premier broadcaster of the age, and mm-hmm. I, I don't know this. I mean, Brian, my friend, is is conservative. Yet we don't argue about politics. We only we only his interest is is good discussion. Is, uh, but I would think he would agree is that 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 the, the brilliance of Rush Limbaugh is that he grabbed those people. He knew what to say to get the mm-hmm. a certain quite a few people to listen. Um, and whether that's the same uh, ability maybe that Trump has, uh, it, it is reaching a certain culture 
Well, I agree with Jim. I just have no interest in in listening to that. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say that I'm. Uh, well, yes, I am going to say I'm. I'm too smart for that kind of crap. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, some some people are just you know they want to believe what they want to believe, and they want to have somebody tell them or confirm what it is they want to believe. So um, you know, maybe that's part of it. Um, Let's get to another uh, caller. Um, Dave in Hoffman Estates uh, wants to talk about the what, history of uh, progressive talk radio. Dave, what is it? Uh, a little bit on that uh, first, and then uh, a little bit after that. Uh, January. Sure, go 16th, ahead. But, uh, yeah. Okay, hey, Paul, Chris. Uh, yeah, that, uh, well, you guys weren't ditto heads either, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, ditto heads. Yeah. It's a little wilder, huh? But, um, and Paul, like you're saying with your friend, you guys can disagree without being disagreeable with each other. Then, correct? Right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like you mentioned earlier about like the Air America days, I, I I started listening to this, you know, this label station back back then when you know, we had Janine Garofalo and Al Franken, and and um, the one I liked the best was Jerry Springer. In fact, he was the one that yeah. kicked off. He kicked <laughs> oh, off. Oh, interesting. That time when Dick K, the great, great, great Dick K, came to uh, to uh, CPT now and uh, to see if he had the chops, and they went and they put Jerry Springer with them that very first show. And uh-huh. Springer said he could handle it because Dick used to do radio way back when. And I always liked him though because. Uh, He's uh, Springer, too, because he's the first one. These people come, you know, blasting on him, and I'd, he'd always start off with, you know, good morning, and I'd say, how are you doing? He'd say, well, you know, and he'd, he'd always diffuse the situation, you know. He didn't mix it up with him, you know, with these uh, writings that tried to uh, bait him and stuff like that. <laughs> like about like, like about his show, and that people thought, you know, that a lot of stupid. He said, I agree. He said, it's a stupid show. He said, I make a lot of money, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, and, uh, interestingly, interestingly, Dave, um, you have uh, stumbled on gold because I think you just stumbled into one of Krista's stories. Uh, let's, okay. let's, uh, yeah. So, Krista, uh, you know something about Jerry Springer, don't you? Yeah, I was on Jerry Springer twice in the nineties, uh. and um, yeah, it was it was the first time was an experience and a half. I mean. Um, I was very uncomfortable and, um, I was, I'm going to be straight up. I was, I had been drinking heavily before the episode. And then when the, 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 the drinking, (laughs) when I started to sober up and I looked at the audience, I started to cry, but it was a perfect timing that I started to cry because I was supposed to do a strip tease for one of um, the guys that was on the stage to turn him straight because he was a gay person (laughs) that I had a crush on. So thank God I cried because they didn't make me do it. But I was so scared. Second time I went on, I felt more comfortable because I knew that somebody was going to come after me and uh, start making fun of me. So I I put myself up to to, uh, protect myself. But Jerry Springer was a really nice guy. And the one thing I will remember him saying, which I still kind of don't know why he said it, his exact words to me were, you know, being on this show, um, it's going to really help your career. 
And I thought to myself, what career? What are you talking about? So I didn't understand why he said that. And I always wondered what he meant by that. It definitely didn't help my career. It damaged a lot of relationships being on that show. But I always wondered why did he say that? So I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I used to love, you know, listening in the morning. He had a morning program. And then he, you know, g- gave it up because then he uh, was going on that Dancing with the Stars and stuff like that at that time. And at that time, he he was doing that. And he just wanted to learn how to do the waltz that time. And because when his daughter, I guess his daughter had a special needs kind of, but he, she was getting married. Mm. And he wanted to dance the waltz with her and her daddy da- uh, daughter dance and stuff like that. And, um, but I, I wish he would have kept the show, you know, his radio program going. I really used to like his program a lot and that. But um, so you, you can get to others. I'll try to get through this other real quick, like talking on that that insurrection stuff. You know, like the all tried to falsely blame Nancy Pelosi about saying that, that she didn't bring those troops, you know, the, the National Guard and all of that. That wasn't her position. She wasn't supposed to. Right, that was right. supposed to be like governor or... Uh, as we find out later on, Mike Flynn's brother, Charles Flynn, who was uh, the head general, he's the one that he lied and said that I didn't get no call or whatever, no phone call. And he got rewarded later, though, for his life. He got uh, his fourth star and promoted, you know, and then uh, when he was in command of Westpac now, which is Western Pacific, you know, which covers areas like, you know, with China and Korea and all that area. And... Uh, there is, um, and then uh, one thing that Nancy Pelosi did do and nobody talked enough about was what, you know, they were speeching about hanging Pence and that she had called up Mike Pence to find out if he was okay and to get safe. Mm-hmm. And right. there was, like, recall that infamous picture of him down in that, it looked like either by a loading dock or shipping dock on the phone. And I believe that's when Nancy Pelosi was talking with him saying to, you know, to make sure you and the family are safe, because that was when he he refused to take that ride. Remember, they were going to take him for a ride. At um, yeah, at right. The people yeah. that took that ride. Yeah, he didn't want to get yeah. in the yeah. car. So, yes, yes. But if you recall, there's a picture. He's kind of leaning on. He's standing down below, and then there's a leaning his arm up on like a, like the loading dock or whatever there into like the warehouse on the phone. And uh, then she was on the phone with him then, making sure he was he, he was safe. Him and his family got safe, you know, and not to take no <laughs> no ride either in that. But uh, well, yeah, well, I mean, I think the the whole thing with the blaming Nancy Pelosi. This is the good old American, uh, you know. Let's blame the victim. I mean, uh, Trump starts an insurrection, and by the way, he did say, "We're going to the Capitol, and I'm going with you, and we're going to fight mm-hmm. like hell." Now, even under yeah. you know the the, stand, the standard of incitement uh, is it was it was updated in 1969. It was it's called the Brandenburg standard. Brandenburg uh, case in the Supreme Court kind of it actually made the, uh, the the 50 years ago before that in 1919 there was the clear and present danger. You can't yell fire in a crowded movie theater. But in Brandenburg, the court said no. It has to be not uh, clear and present danger. It has to be imminent threat. Which means, does this will this speech likely will this speech speech likely uh, lead to uh, violence or incitement of violence? 
Well, did it? Well, you did, right? What he said, in short order, within less than an hour, led to violence. So um, to say that, and why didn't Nancy Pelosi stop it, is just the ultimate in what the right wing likes to do, which is to blame the victims. Why was she dressed that way? Well, if she was raped, she shouldn't have been wearing, you know, she shouldn't have been wearing that. Uh-huh. I mean, that's, that is the classic uh, strategy of the right, is to blame, blame the people who were victimized for not for being victimized and that, that's just that's just more of that that's you know to, why didn't she stop it well uh, yeah she should have known actually actually what they're really saying is yeah with a guy like donald trump you should have known that an insurrection was coming and we you know and and next time we we, we will know we will know that it's coming uh, yeah. after this after the next election so yeah. yeah well he already said again that if if i don't win it was rigged again. It was. Uh, yeah, you know, well, you know what my response to that is? My response to that, to Donald Trump, who, by the way, uh, went bankrupt in the casino business five times, my response to him is, what kind of an idiot plays a game three times that he knows is rigged? You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's, no, just, that's just an idiot. That's, that guy is the yeah. guy who keeps yeah. playing roulette. So didn't his dad have to buy like about three billion dollars in chips just to help keep that one casino going? <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, the bill? Yeah. yeah, something like and, that. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. that's the thinking with this guy too, where he's he's gonna be doing this four corner stall, you know, with the hopes that it'll get into the election season that it ain't gonna yeah. be in the trial. Now I seem to recall back in 2000, though, when, you know, Al Gore did the honorable thing that he put country before a person and that. And, and I seem to remember the writings all say, get over it. You know, right. we yeah. should be doing that. So get over it, you know, because. Uh, well, I think the interesting problem. thing is that the Trump era has become a blend of of pop culture it the, the Republican side, the right side is is it is a culture side. And it's just become they are the party of you know social and cultural grievances they that's what they are they they it's really they don't have any any uh political policy uh we're not arguing about any kind of policies we're not arguing about what should happen to health care we're not arguing about uh anything really that have you noticed that there are there are no arguments on the right wing other than stop the liberals that's the only thing that they're saying is that the what we're going to do is we're going to stop the liberals. Uh, that, that's that's pretty much what they. That's pretty much their message. Is we're going to stop the other side. They don't have a message. They don't. They don't. They don't have a. We're going to care what they're going to do when they get the ball. How we're going to advance the ball. They're just going to stop the liberals. That's their whole agenda. So then the country comes to a to a screeching stop. And and uh, what what do you want to do from there? I mean, okay. So let's and every and we have evidence of this. Is every time they get their way. They lose. I mean, every time. So they got the Dobbs decision, and they are the dog that caught the car. They got the, the, the caught the bus. They got a mouthful of tailpipe, and they're losing their political butts. So, uh, that, and every time they every time they get their way, that's why they can only keep issues open. That's why they're saying about the border. You know, we don't want to fix the. We don't want to uh, Biden. We don't want to come to an agreement with Biden about the border. We want to keep the issue open. They just want to keep grievances open. That's that's the kind of the the cultural uh, issue yeah, out of the standpoint. Yeah. So, yeah, anyway, okay. On that third term, but, uh, and, uh, hey, last yeah. thing, possible, I know I didn't want to talk, and you know, I don't like to ramble on, but uh, on some of these writings and stuff, we're out talking about uh, 
like with the Capitol Hill police and that thing. So there's video of these people, what, these cops, what, these protesters that they call through, you know, the, the horses. And I don't know if they were doctored or not, but there's one thing that I got to thinking about later. How, who seen these people building that gallows? That didn't come in a kit. That's got to take a little bit of time to build that gallows and, you know, and yeah. that would never stop. That, that's a, right. I don't know if that part might be an inside job on some of these uh, Capitol Hill police. Not saying they all were crooked, but somebody had to see them building this gallows. Right, right. That's true. Yeah, no, anyway, but this, you know, little Dee was rattling around thinking about that, but uh, anyway, listen, thanks a lot, and uh, have a good week, guys, and good talking with you. Be well. Okay, thank thank you, Dave. Thanks very much. Yeah, I, I had the same same thought about, so you're building the gallows out in the front yard, and nobody says anything about it. Yeah. Uh, so, Krista, we got just a minute. Can you quickly tell us about, um, before the break here, uh, what what about you being on the bio channel and chasing ghosts? Oh, yeah, that was fun. So, just, you know, people don't really believe in stuff like that, but I'm a big believer that there is a spirit world, and... Um, I felt um, in two places that I lived that there was something there. And so, wow. um, yeah, I this woman, which I still talk to to this day, she's a medium and um, clairvoyant. She looked at the different videos. I did send a video, and I was being very serious in my video, and she picked up, according to her, um, energy, right, based on the video. And she selected the people that she wanted to go into their homes and see if there was anything, like, weird in the homes. So um, she saw my video, and then she came to my place, and she pretty much said that she felt certain things in my place. And so she gave me the clarification that I need, but I moved two times. The place that I live at now, I haven't had any problems, but, you know, I I really felt like there was some type of an entity at the two places I lived, and she pretty much oh. verified that. So. Um, and a lot of people don't believe in that stuff. So that was something I didn't share with a lot of people. Um, they ended up finding out after the fact. Because, you know, people think you're weird if, if you believe in ghosts and stuff. I'm one that believes that there are there, there there's a possibility of ghosts. If there's aliens out there and we're hearing about these aliens, I'm sure that there's ghosts or spirits and spirit world, you know, roaming around. So I do believe yeah, I in that a, stuff. I know it's fun being on her show. Yeah. I had I had a, a girlfriend in college. Uh, she was a woman who was older than I was, but and she had lived in Indonesia. And she said, in the house where she lived with, there was a ghost. And I said, "Whoa, really? What is he like? Uh, a white sheet floating around?" She goes, "No." It, she said, "No, dummy. Ghosts aren't a white sheet floating." I said, "Well, what was he?" She said, "He was this old man who used to take a shower in my shower, and then he'd run all over the house." And I, <laughs> I said, "All wet?" She said, "Yeah." I said, well, was there, was he getting water all over the house? She said, no, dummy, it was a ghost. And I said, and I said, I, I, this, this is really funny, but she said her roommate, her roommate uh, said that her roommate and her boyfriend saw a ghost too. And I said, well, what they see was that somebody taking a shower at their place. And she said, no, the ghost that they saw was an orange line. They used to go to the river and sit at the riverbank at night and they saw an orange line. That went all the way up and down the middle of the river. And they said, that's a ghost. That was the spirit. Yeah. But anyway. So interesting uh, ideas about, yeah, about the supernatural. 
we have one uh, more break here, and we'll be back here on uh, Kitchen Table Progressive uh, in two minutes and two seconds. And we're back fishing up here uh, last segment on Kitchen Table Progressive. Paul Richardson with you. And along with my uh, my guest for this uh, this hour, uh, Krista Gardner, uh, we're talking uh, a little bit of politics. We're talking uh, supernatural, uh, pop culture. Uh, the and I want to ask biz. a quick question. I wanted sure. to. Tell, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just wanted you. I really thought your conversation was fascinating about Trump, and I just wanted to share a very quick story that I had told Norm um, before Trump won. I was able to sneak into, um, it was like a focus group for people in the entertainment field, particularly oh. people that were um, like gay and uh, people of color. And after that focus group, I came back and said to Norm, I don't know, Norm, I think Trump's going to win. And Norm's like, there's no way, there's no way. I said, Norm. I'm just telling you what I heard, and this is just in California, and the things that I heard from um, some of, um, you know, my black brothers and sisters and um, my Latinos and, you know, um, some of my gay and lesbian, I was dumbfounded why they were in the entertainment industry doing that undercover vote for Trump. Now, I'm just talking about California. He didn't win California, but when he won and I went, you know, to work the next day and people were crying... I wasn't surprised based on what I heard in these undercover Trumpers. So I wasn't surprised. And Norm was upset when he came in. The callers called in crying, devastated. But there was a part of me that just felt like I knew this was coming. And I think that's why Norm left, because he was furious and angry because he felt that, um, you know, the Progressive Party could have done more. So I just kind of wanted to share that because I was I was flabbergasted at what I heard in um, that focus group. I couldn't believe my, my ears. Interesting. Yeah. yeah well, we, yeah, well, we'll have to talk about that a, a little bit more. Um, we have a caller. Uh, Roosevelt, my friend, where you been, man? Gosh. Oh, uh, happy new year. Happy new year. How you doing, man? Thanks for calling. Happy, happy new year to everybody. Um, uh, I just wanted to pick up because I, I was waiting in line on last last show. I just want to pick up where you, where you guys were talking about uh, the insurrection. Now, this is my take on it. Don't mind. I'll be brief. Uh, all this happened, in my opinion, because since Nixon, there's been two things that the Republican Party has consistently done, and that is not abide by our Constitution because Ford, it started with Nixon. Ford pardoned, and that's another thing, pardoned. Ford pardoned right. uh, Nixon, right. right? Reagan, Bush, Junior, Bush, Bush Senior, covered up a Iran Contra for Reagan. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. Then you have Bush Junior starting two wars. All of these presidents, Republican presidents, should have been impeached, in my opinion. Because they went against our Constitution, in my opinion. So, then you got, uh, like I said, Bush Sr. covered up all the stuff that, Nick, that uh, Reagan did on the Iran-Contra. 
he should have been impeached. Then you got uh, Bush Jr. legal wars on two countries that didn't do anything to us. And finally, now you got Trump. And to this day, you got the same principles. Uh, you got two candidates, DeSantis and Nikki Haley, that said that they would pardon Trump if they were presidents. So that, that's my that's my connection. Pardons and cover up. And it's a slippery slope since Nixon, in my opinion. And that's what led to, in my opinion, that's what led to Trump being elected. And that's why he does and got away with everything, because he hasn't been in jail one day of all the things that he's done. And the latest thing is the amalgamous clause, which he took seven point eight million from China. And then he he says that Biden's the one that took money from China. So there you go. That's all. What do you think about that? Well, yeah, I, I, I think the, Nikki Haley said that she would uh, would pardon Trump, and I would if I were standing on the stage with Nikki Haley, I would say, "I'm sorry, Governor, but every good South Carolinian who's a Christian knows that pardon and forgiveness begins with repentance. With repentance." You have to repent before you are worthy of a pardon or forgiveness. So Donald Trump, at least Richard Nixon resigned. Richard Nixon essentially forfeited his, his term in office. Donald Trump not only lost the election, he didn't repent. He tried to overturn, overthrow the government. And there's no question, and I don't think in anybody's mind, that that's what he tried to do. And so the idea of, they think, well, it's not good for the country. No, what's not good for the country is to not have a standard of laws, uh, be a, a nation of laws, and that there's a, there's, a, there's a double standard. And they think, oh, this isn't good for the country. Tell that to, tell that to any black person who's been uh, pulled over for nothing, right, and ends up being shot for nothing. I mean, th- this whole idea that we just can't have this. No, what we can't have is lawlessness. At any level, and so I, no, I don't. Donald Trump shouldn't be pardoned. I, I'm really not. A, I, I really don't like the entire pardon clause in the Constitution. I actually think that uh, we need an amendment that would uh, say if the president wants to submit a list of pardons, they have to pass the Senate. They have to get through the Senate. He should submit all of his pardons to the Senate, and of course, where they'd have to pass by sixty votes. <laughs> you know. That, let's let's just t- let's make it that way. If you really want to talk about why, why should otherwise what we have now is just uh, and what Donald Trump basically did. He, he pardoned his whole cabal of criminal associates is what he did. So that's that's what's that, that's what the whole. And I don't I don't know you know how else to state it, but I I, I kind of agree with you on that. I, I not kind of I do agree with you on that, Roosevelt. But anyway. Well, th- uh, thanks for pointing that out, and uh, don't be a stranger. Gosh, I've been on the, I've been on the air for seven months, and I haven't heard from you until now. So, okay. no, 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 no. I've ca- I called you before. I've been listening to your show since the second week you started your show. I follow you all over the place, man. Oh, okay, okay. Because, I didn't. I, I don't remember you calling before. Okay, all right. Oh, yeah, I've called before. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for for, for the time. Thank you. Have a good day. Okay. Th- hey, thanks, Roosevelt. Thanks for calling. Um, yeah, I mean. Uh, uh, by the way, I, I, I just wanted to say, uh, Krista, that Norm, Norm Goldman was the one who got me seriously into law and constitutional law. Sure. And uh, I, it's, it's been, what, 15 years now 
that, I mean, I've always been interested in law, but I never got serious about it until I got to know Norm. So I have yeah. Norm to thank for that. And, you know, I, what I know now, oh, I, I, I went to the Norman Goldman School of Law. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but anyway. Uh, anyway uh, I, him. I miss him. Very much. I talk to him all the time, but I, I just not too long ago, I said, are you sure you won't come back, Norm? He, that was my, my favorite job in the world because it, there was nothing for me more pleasant than being able, being able to create a show via sound because I did all of the sound for his show. Right. And so right. I really, really enjoyed that immensely. And uh, But he won't come back. And I was like, oh, right. because I miss him. He, he had a great right. voice. Right. It's unfortunate. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of sound, I, I wanted to get to this topic, um, and it's been a busy show here, but let, let's talk about it in the last five minutes here, um, the Taylor Swift phenomena. Um, Taylor yeah. Swift, is, you know, uh, Time Magazine Person of the Year. Does Taylor Swift have influence? I mean, I, what is her appeal, and what is what influence does she have? What is her appeal? You know, when I ask people, you know, like I have a daughter that, you know, she's 23 and my daughter liked to win when uh, she, my daughter was younger, but that's not her cup of tea anymore. I think the appeal is she writes songs that people can, especially women can relate to, you know, the broken hearts, um, these relationships that have gone awry. You know, um, she writes, you know, very catchy tunes where she's pouring out her heart. But the interesting thing is every boyfriend she has, we're waiting for another best-selling album because it's going to be all about that relationship that she had. So I think that's her appeal is she opens up through song, you know, like all of her emotions. But she's not my cup of tea because every well, I mean, time she's with that's... somebody, I'm just waiting for the new the new album to come out. <laughs> yeah, well, the, uh, My Broken Heart is country music in general, right? <laughs> That's yeah, my right. achy, my breaky. I mean, nobody ever made more money than playing two chords singing my achy, breaky heart. That's two chords. That's not even three <laughs> chords. That's two chords. I mean, to me, Taylor Swift sounds uh, like any other country. I wouldn't know. I don't know her voice well enough, but it sounds like every other country. So I guess the yeah the appeal. And then, of course, broken hearts and, and, and you know, love lost is... I mean, that's a theme throughout. I mean, that's an old theme throughout history. I mean, it, it, right. Um, I, I don't. What is her. Let, let's ask this because, pe- because people have. Does she. Would she have any in political influence if she wanted to have? Do you think? Oh, I'm sure she does. I know all of these um, celebrities, like Cardi B is one, where, you know, I follow a lot of them on Instagram. Whatever they say, especially like Cardi B, and she talks about, like, you know, political stuff, people jump on board and they hear what she has to say. Also with Taylor Swift. I mean, this woman is like a billionaire. Whatever she says, it's, it's bizarre. She's got these kids under a spell they're going to go along with her, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that's why there are some politicians that actually, you know, um, appeal and, and, and actually, you know, come out and ask some of these um, artists, you know, please make a statement, you know, on our behalf, you know, especially when it comes to voting. Because I think the last vote right. Taylor Swift was out there, you know, saying vote President Biden, uh, vote for Biden, vote for Biden, you know? Um, mm-hmm. You can't vote for Trump. And I... I they they have that much power, you know. Some some of these artists, they they truly do. Yeah. Now I remember 
now this is I think the eighties with Madonna and Rock the Vote. Yeah. Um, yeah. By the way, I met I met Madonna before she was Madonna. <laughs> you did? I did. I, I met Madonna when I was playing in a band uh, back in Detroit in 1977. Two of the guys in the band were uh, went to high school with her. Uh, the drummer, oh, wow. and the, sound, the drummer and the sound man, and they said to me, "Hey, uh, this story will have to wait because we are just about out of time." That's the that's the end of the show. Um, but thank you, Krista, so very much. Uh, we'll do it again. Uh, yeah, thank you. Okay. I had fun. Thank you so much for, for inviting me on. I really appreciate it. Thanks very much, Krista. Join us again next Sunday uh, at 6 p.m. Central for Kitchen Table Progressive uh, here on AM820 WCPT, Chicago's Progressive Talk, where facts matter, heartlandsignal.com.